This is the Mo Money Podcast with your host, Jessica Morehouse. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me. For this episode, I'm very excited to talk to my next guest, Todd Truster from the Financial Mentor, financialmentor.com. He also has a podcast of the same name. So very excited to talk to him about his journey and uh, what he does as a money coach. He didn't always start out as a money coach. He actually was a hedge funder and was able to retire, you know, air quotes at 35. He was financially independent, was able to leave his day job and do whatever he wanted at the age of 35. And of course, as a serial entrepreneur like he was, he started his own business and his own website. So I'm going to talk to him today about uh, what retirement at such a young age meant to him, why he got the idea to become a money coach and start his own side business, and what kind of tips he would give to any of us you know, me about um, starting your own business and just how to rethink financial freedom and retirement. So we're going to talk about a lot of interesting things in this episode right now. Thank you, Todd, for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, I, you know, knew, found out about you when I went to FinCon uh, in 2014. So I'm super excited that you're on the show with me today and I can kind of pick your brain. Happy to be here. Do your listeners know what FinCon is, Financial Bloggers Conference? Oh, I, I, I mentioned it a couple of times. It's the okay. nerdiest. I, I reference it as like it's the nerdiest conference you've never heard of. <laughs> but you know what's amazing is you put all these financial nerds, you know, they're basically yeah. introvert writers, oh, financial for sure. geeks, and they yep. are one fun crowd. No, that's true. That's you, true. You would never think that, right? You'd think, oh mm-hmm. boy, that's a fun place to go. And actually it is. It's one of the best conferences. Total fun. It's like total fun crowd. And it's huge. Like I had no idea. Like I know it, it hasn't always been this big, but when I went to the 2014 one in New Orleans, there was a, so many people. It was incredible how many people were you know, in that industry or had a, a personal finance blog. It's crazy. Yeah, I've been going since the beginning. I went to the very first FinCon. There was just a couple hundred of us. Wow. Yeah. It's grown like exponentially. It's insane. Yeah, well, it's credit to Phil Taylor. Phil Taylor, mm-hmm. I mean, it's his culture that he created. It's his almost his family and uh he just he sends a lot of love out to it and it comes back. Absolutely. Yeah. Um so let's kind of jump in, Todd. Um I want to know you have a crazy story that you uh you know are a serial entrepreneur and you were able to you know retire air quotes uh by 35. So let's jump in and you know let's kind of go from the beginning. How did you get interested in personal finance and investing and and entrepreneurship and how did that lead you to where you were, you know, financially able to retire at 35? Well, I had always been an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if people are born that way or what, but it just, you know, I've always been figuring out how to solve problems and create things and do stuff. And I was just always innovative and got into it. So I've been an entrepreneur. I mean, I started with paper outs as a kid mm-hmm. and I had one and then I used the money to buy a motorcycle so I could deliver more papers faster and ride a cool motorcycle every morning, even though I didn't have a driver's license, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, Branched out from there and had a sailboat refinishing business and I had a pool supply business when I was in college and mm-hmm. I've just always done it, you know. And then yeah. when I came out of college, I I had this crazy vision that I could make money investing in assets and not knowing about them. I could do it all statistically and mathematically. And I was told are you a big, it was – Are you a big numbers person? You know, I'm kind of a weird mix because – 
um, I'm a bit of an engineer type mind, a numbers geek, and yet I'm also real intuitive, you know, because of my coaching side. I, you mm-hmm. know, I've done a lot of coaching with people for years. Mm-hmm. So there's a real intuitive personal side to me, but yet at the it's all anchored or foundation of a bedrock of numbers, quant, and science. Like mm-hmm. the way I teach this is wealth building is science. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's all the way your wealth compounds is by math and science. It's, you know, there's there's a discipline to it. And yet ultimately getting wealthy is all about you. Yeah. You know, your wealth plan is about you. So even if you look, like I have a process up on my side called Seven Steps to Seven Figures. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't make it up. I mean, I, I quote unquote discovered it or observed it in all my coaching clients yeah. And it's nat- it's the natural seven step progression everybody goes through in the in the path of building wealth, mm-hmm. and I just noticed it in the clients and just started categorizing it. And lo and behold, I had seven steps to seven figures. And what you'll see in there, there's a little pyramid diagram on the main landing page, the main sales page that talks about all seven steps. And you'll notice that they're grouped in pairs. You've mm-hmm. got a personal one and you've got a financial one for each level of the pyramid, right? So like the foundation has a personal foundation to wealth as well as a financial foundation to wealth. And it's the coupling of both that creates success. You have to put mm-hmm. the personal with the financial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, so you were a hedge fund manager for, for how long in your career were you a head, head fund manager? <laughs> that's, that's a hard a thing to stuff. say really fast. Sorry. Hedge fund manager. There we yeah. go. <laughs> so I believe 12 years. You know, wow. only to it, but I think it was twelve years. Can you tell me exactly what that is? <laughs> hedge fund? Yeah, or it, yeah, what did you do well, as a hedge fund be, manager? It's skill based investing, mm-hmm. right? So, like traditional investing is almost all you know. You see almost everywhere on the internet, and is commonly taught. It's basically the quote unquote truth of the day. The truth of the day varies with market cycles. We've had prolonged bull markets in in both bonds and stocks, and so the truth of the day has become uh, low cost passive index buy and hold. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go back in time, like you can look at the truth of the day as evidenced by Gerald Loeb's Your Battle for Investment Survival back in 1935. Mm-hmm. It was a bestseller on the back end of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's basically the truth of the day was the direct opposite of what the truth of today is. Interesting. Um, yeah, so the truth of the day varies with time. But right now the truth of the day is that it's, it's uh, low-cost passive index buy and hold. And that's what everybody teaches. That's what's practiced with – you know, I don't have firm numbers, but mm-hmm. probably ninety percent of the money out there or more, mm-hmm. and and so that's how everybody does it. And what I did was I did an active approach. And the approach, hedge fund investing actually has a variety of different disciplines. The discipline I fell into is what would be called quant investing. Mm-hmm. So everything's done statistically and mathematically. Now there's other forms of hedge fund investing like global macro, and um, these are called styles. Um, mm-hmm. These weren't mine. Mine is purely quant. So I would develop statistical and mathematical algorithms for the markets um, and do everything by the numbers. Okay. Okay. And so I guess you were really good at that because you were able to kind of retire when you wanted at 35. Yeah. We had uh, out of the 12 years, again, I believe it was 12, we had 100% profitable years, however many years I was doing it. Oh, wow. Um, And that's, you know, that's through a lot. That's through inflations, deflations, presidential assassination attempts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chernobyl blew up and wiped out the commodity markets downwind of it. And I mean, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. went down in that time frame. And so we went through a lot of market conditions and we had 100% winning years. We had the investors actually had a really in full disclosure here. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I had one system blow up one year. I did a thing called 
Again, I'm using fancy terms here, but it's the way you <laughs> describe this stuff. I had a method called long, long, short mark. No, this one's one you can say fast. Yeah. Long, short, long, short equity market neutral, which means oh, wow. I'm, I'm simultaneously long and short equal amounts of stock. So I'm neutral on the market. So I neutralize market risk by being long and short equal amounts. Anyway, um, so you make money on the spread and the performance as opposed to having an outright market direction bet. So anyway, I had a portfolio on that. And it was before the days where you could do real extensive computer research. You got to understand I was doing this stuff back in the day when, you know, Apple IIs were still being made in the garage by Wozniak oh. and Jobs. You <laughs> wow. know, so, um, you know, I was one of the early pioneers in the industry. And, you know, some of this research, I, I couldn't get databases like in order to do this research, I had to hand code in monthly data out of old Wall Street journals. Wow. In order to even come up with a decent stock database in order to test stuff. And it turned out the data was a problem. It didn't, I didn't have sufficient data sample size in order to really prove out the method. And I had one of my systems blow up on me. Mm-hmm. And it was totally my fault. It was, it was faulty research, right? And mm-hmm. um, it had enough of a loss – that the other systems all that year were kind of mediocre. They were positive, but they were mediocre, not great years for anything. And then I had one really bad system went that you know blew up. Mm-hmm. And so the combination, the portfolio only slightly made money that year. And it was, but the expenses were high enough that the investors experienced a, it was a tiny fraction of one percent loss. Right. And that was my worst year ever. That's not bad if that was just one year out of twelve. Yeah. 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 So what made you decide so so you de- you decided to, you know, retire but I mean as an entrepreneur I I get that you don't really retire you just kind of choose to do what you want to do and you know give up the desk job. So um first no, did that's you always a, I mean that's a or, fun conversation so yeah. what is retirement, right? Yeah. Well, was what like was your idea of retirement at that point? Yeah, well re- I have- mean retirement is just a euphemism for old age mm-hmm. financial independence, right? Mhm. Mhm. And I mean, that says a lot right there, right? Because I mean, you can have financial independence at any age. You don't have That's to, true. you don't have to turn old to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. But then you go into this question, the flip side question, it's one thing to retire at 65 or 70 when you're old and you're tired yeah. and you just want to play golf and read mm-hmm. novels. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to retire at 35 and have hedge fund, invest, hedge fund investing be the last great thing you ever did with your life or your creativity, which is kind of lame. <laughs> um, so... You know, yeah, I had financial independence, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to create anything with my life. Yeah. You know, and that that was part of the journey was just trying to understand what creates a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting process when you go through financial independence. A lot of people don't understand it. And it's mm-hmm. it's a thing where, you know, you spend your life where you're you're trading time for money, right? Most people yeah. have jobs and they have work that they do and they're kind of trading their time for money. And when you have financial independence, you don't have to trade your time for money. Instead, you're trading your time for whatever fulfills you. Yeah. And it isn't necessarily what I call the pro-leisure circuit, mm-hmm. right? It isn't just endless entertainment for you. That's not yeah. fulfilling over the long term. No. It, the way I teach it is that uh, vacation is wonderful. And I vacation, you know, three months plus a year. Mm-hmm. But it's only meaningful in the context of a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. And that's usually work that's creative and adds, you know, adds value to the world and is your contribution and creates connection with others like we have here and mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So there's there's a lot more to a fulfilling happy life than just, you know, laying on a hammock on a tropical beach with an umbrella drink. Exactly. That sounds fun for about a week and then I'd probably go a bit stir crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So what was your plan when you kind of, um, you know, quit your uh, job at the hedge fund manager, you were financially independent? What did you did you have the idea like, okay, I'm going to start my own uh, website and blog and a coaching business? Or did that come later? No, no, I totally blew it. Because, um, <laughs> well, th- and this is a principle I teach. See, everything I teach, I teach from experience, right? I, I, my life is kind of the crash test dummy for everything I teach. Mm-hmm. And so I blew it, right? Because I didn't really have a plan of what I was going toward. No, I just had a plan of what I was going away from, yeah. which is having the answer to making money. And so when I came out, I fumbled. I had a couple business adventures that failed. Um, I did some travel. Um, my wife and I put on backpacks and traveled around Europe and Middle East for about six months, which was really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. I, I came back and blew out a business, lost a bunch of money. And then we said, well, now let's go to Thailand and Asia. Yep. And so we did that and mm-hmm. <laughs> came back again and <laughs> Made some more mistakes, and it was a really it was a tough period of disillusionment because yeah. I didn't, you know, it took me a long time to really sort out, you know, what what am I here to do? What is my unique contribution? Yeah, uh, what is satisfying for me? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, that kind of stuff I hadn't really sorted out before I quote unquote retired. I had to fumble through it post retirement. And, you know, that causes a lot of mistakes, you know, like I, I made another classic mistake, which is I thought my investment was my job, you know, yeah. investing. And when you make investing your job, you put a lot of pressure on your assets and you, you start forcing activity because you feel like you should be doing something. And a lot of times the, the smartest thing, the most profitable thing you can do is nothing at all when mm-hmm. it comes to investing. And so you don't want that to be your job. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just went through a lot of mistakes and it cost me a lot of money. It was really a bad period. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's interesting for people to hear because I think, like you said, when people think of, oh, wow, you're able to retire early, you, you know, that must have been a dream. You can travel and do everything. It sounds amazing. I totally understand the whole disillusionment. Like when it comes to when, like sometimes I'm in these moments where, you know, I have a day job and I also have my, you know, side job with my website and every and this podcast and everything like that. When the idea comes of what is my purpose? What am I doing? What am I going towards? What am I running towards? I don't know. Cause sometimes I just don't even have the time to think about it. So if I did have all the time in the world to think about it, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd probably make it mistakes and and have a a long period of what am I doing here, you know? Yeah. So the way I teach it is that, and you you basically just said it, which is when your life is structured in a -a workaday world, it's pretty clear cut. And so you don't really, I mean, you have to lead a responsible life, but you're not really responsible for leading your life because the major decisions are already made. You're going to have a career. Mm -hmm. You're going to report to your job X weeks out of the year. You're going to take a few weeks of vacation. You know, the the basic structure of your life is pretty well laid out. When you have financial freedom, all that gets cleared out and there is no basic structure and you're suddenly self-responsible for every aspect of your life, including your happiness. Mm-hmm. Like when you're when you're having to report to a job and you got a boss and your boss sucks and mm-hmm. work suck and you know, you'd be happier if only this and if only you could get to here or you could get to this raise or you could get to this new position, you'd be happy. Like you have all these excuses for why you're not happy. And yeah. when you're when you're financially independent, suddenly all those excuses are stripped away and you're self-responsible for your happiness. You're self-responsible for uh, what you do with your time, how you create your life. You're self-responsible for everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, that sounds really cool and it is. Like, right, it's mm-hmm. a gift. It's yeah. wonderful, Right. Mm-hmm. But it's also a tremendous burden if you're not prepared yep. for it. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you 
I mean, now you're doing great. What did you learn in that first year that you were able to kind of overcome those obstacles and and, and be in a better place? Well, I I fumbled for far longer than a year. Oh, yeah? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm not nearly that quick, right? (laughs) So, um, no, I fumbled around for a while, went through a lot of personal growth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's part of why I've I've got kind of this weird dichotomy, you know, combination of personal growth and strong engineering mindset, Mm -hmm. uh, strong quantitative mindset. So, uh, no, I went through a period of disillusionment, you know, Mm -hmm. to really kind of sort my way through it and just kind of fumbling around. You know, I started Financial Mentor, uh, financialmentor.com. I started Mm -hmm. that, oh, uh, 97, 98. That's how I ended up with that URL. Uh, No way. Yeah, it was way early on. I'd seen – you probably don't even know the name, right? Nobody knows this guy's name anymore and yet he was almost like – the pioneer of internet marketing. His name's Corey Rudel. Have you ever heard the name Corey Rudel? No. He taught most of the gurus who you would have learned from. Really? Yeah. He was one of the early pioneers. The reason you don't know about him, he ran a company called Internet Marketing Center and he, this guy was brilliant. Like yeah. he, he is so brilliant. He would talk 90 miles an hour and his <laughs> voice still couldn't keep up with his mind. Wow. Right? Like, I mean, this guy was just a nuthead. And just, but really smart, really cool guy. And I happened to have lucked into seeing one of his first speaking appearances ever. Mm-hmm. And he was already making over a million a year on the internet when most people didn't even know what the internet was. No way. And he was one of the first guys to realize that it was the ideal direct marketing medium. Yeah. And so I had sold the hedge fund and I just happened to end up in this conference and I'm watching this guy and I went, wow. I mean, my jaw just dropped. I totally got it. I got yeah. what was there. I saw the opportunity. And, you know, my wife had kind of been getting on me about what are you going to do with all your knowledge, Todd? Everybody asks you questions about stuff and you just kind of blow them off because people don't really even have the basis for asking the right questions. Back then, you got to understand the the stock market was hot and everybody wanted hot stock tips, right? Mm -hmm. This is going back to late 1990s Mm -hmm. in the great bull market. Yeah. And so uh, I do blow off answers and void it. I got this URL and I just said, you know, I'm just going to start building this thing and if it turns out to get ugly and, you know, cause my ideas are kind of unconventional, you know, and mm-hmm. d- doesn't follow mainstream finance at all. And, and I was like, if, if it gets ugly and people start attacking me on the internet or whatever, I, I just give myself permission to drop it. That's how I got yeah. the courage to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I never did. I mean, it just, it, people were very supportive. They're very appreciative. They're like, wow, finally something's saying some, somebody's saying it the way it matches my intuition. I always thought it was this way, but I never had the words or knowledge for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I've been building it ever since, but so that's how I lucked into it was, yeah. uh, 1997. I saw Corey Rudel speak. And the only reason you don't know his name, by the way, I, to finish mm-hmm. the story yeah. is, uh, he was into fast Porsches. He used to race Porsches and he was the passenger in a Porsche that hit a wall at about 200 miles an hour. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he died young, ran yeah. fast, brilliant guy. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a pretty crazy story, though, about your <laughs> – I didn't realize how old your website was. That's insane. Good for you. Well, what I did was – yeah, good for me. Why isn't it bigger? Why isn't it more famous, right? What are you talking about? Come on. Well, well you know, the funny thing was, again, this is just being candid, right? I just made mm-hmm. lots of mistakes. So what I did is I made all the mistakes everybody does with a website because back then WordPress didn't exist. Oh, yeah. So, so there was no simple CMS. So like every page – Did you just code be, everything yourself or – Yeah, everything had to be hand-coded. And yeah. you know the, the common refrain for entrepreneurs is, oh, you can't be an expert at everything and so you have to hire it out, right? Mm-hmm. And so what happened was I ended up in this stuck place where any page I would put up, I, would, I knew that I was hiring somebody else to code the page. 
And I would get into this endless uh, cycle of perfectionism because I knew I couldn't go yeah. back and touch it. Yeah. And so it was just this nightmare. You know, you'd have to know FTP to go in and, and change a, a spelling error. Uh, it was just terrible. Yeah. And, and so it was a cumbersome process. And so I just put up a brochureware site, which fortunately was enough to keep the coaching practice full. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause I ranked, I've always ranked, you know, right at the top for financial coach, financial coaching, money coach, money coaching. That's, and that's so awesome. that traffic was enough to keep my coaching practice full mm-hmm. and it just kind of sat there and languished. It was just a sort of cutely, cute little boutique business that I had on the side that I did this coaching and experiment around and I was working stuff out. I started figuring out seven steps to seven figures. I was really trying to figure out, mm-hmm. could I help ordinary people really achieve yeah. extraordinary financial results, you know, and mm-hmm. It took me a few years. I'd say, you know, it was three, five years of making mistakes and doing a few things right and helping people out. And I started getting into a system. I really started producing consistent results. And then about then is when I discovered WordPress. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it really took off because what it did, WordPress is, you know, it's a simple CMS, a content mm-hmm. management system. But what it really did was it matched who I was. See, because if I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. What it did is allowed me to just make it good enough because I can easily go back and change it. Yeah. It was exactly. – uh, everything was within my reach and I could touch it and manage it. And so it, it, it solved all my perfectionism issues and I could just start building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was where financial matters – so really financial matters, you see it today, really kind of eh, – I would say kind of 2007, 2008 is when I started taking it seriously. And mm-hmm. so from 1998 to 2007, 2008, it just sat as brochureware and I really worked on my real estate portfolio instead. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's, that's really inspiring because one of the things that I hope to achieve in – I don't have a, a timeline necessarily, but one of the things that I definitely want to do is besides have a blog and a podcast is absolutely have some kind of service where I'm a money coach to you know millennials and, and just be able to help people. I want to help people. So it's really inspiring that uh, you were able to do it and hopefully I'll be able to do it. And your website's amazing. It has so many – really, really useful resources, which I love. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, It takes a little effort. (laughs) Oh, a little, just a little bit, just a little bit. Oh man. Yeah. I I can see this goes back to what's fulfilling. See for me that that's my art. Yeah, exactly. It's fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I had a guy tell me this a long time ago because I was, I was like all frustrated and I said, Oh, you know, like I, you know, I kind of viewed myself as an artist and he looked at me one time and he knew me pretty well. He's a really smart guy. And he says, you know, he says, Todd, business is your art form. Mm-hmm. I never got that until he said that to me. It was like he just set me free. Yeah. And then I saw – I should pull the quote for you. Hold on. I got a great quote for you. Let me just grab okay. it off my computer. Please. Hold on. <laughs> so this one sticks on my computer, which I've got the mic way over away from it so we don't yeah. reverb. Um so this is by Andy Warhol, who, if you know Andy Warhol, I do. He, t- he took a lot of abuse for um, for commercializing art. Yeah. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so he has this quote, which I love. It says, "Being good in business is the most fascinating kind of art. Making money is art, and working is art, and good business is the best art." Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I like that. I might have to put that on a post-it and put it on my computer. <laughs> Yeah, I just loved that, you know, for for an acclaimed artist to put it that way. And it just kind of matched where I was at. And so where I'm tying that back into is uh, financial mentor is Mm -hmm. my expression. You know, that's where I'm expressing my art. 
uh, again, I hope I'm not just rambling on here. No, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, it, you have a space that's yours that you get to say what you want and help people. It's ama- that that is exactly what art is, right? Yeah, and so the funny story on this, the backstory on this, where this came from was. I had my old junk site. I call it my old junk site, right? So years mm-hmm. ago, I had just been cobbling it together over the years and just learning my learning how to do all this stuff. And but it was it was a mess, and it was all put together. <laughs> and I was at my niece's wedding, mm-hmm. and all these family members I hadn't seen from all around were there, and they're all coming up to me and telling me how much they like my site and ah. and how they had been following me. And I cringed. I felt oh. I didn't feel proud. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, even though they were complimenting me, I was, and it was such a wake up call. I went, yeah. So what's up with this, Todd? Why are you cringing finding out that your family members have been following you for years? And it was that was the turning point for me. I yeah. said, you know, I'm going to fix this thing. I'm going to make it so I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious about, since you have had your website for so long and your coaching business, what do you have? what's your kind of, you know, one year or five year plan for it? Do you have a certain goal you want to reach or you're just kind of seeing where it goes? Oh gosh, no, no, it's all in goals. It's been through cycles. You can actually Mm -hmm. see the cycles on the site. Like the the first cycle was just getting up the core content, Mm -hmm. right? And so you'll see that in a lot of the categories. The second cycle was I got really into the calculators and that took a long time. I mean, there's Oh yeah, eight, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's 80 calculators on there, you know. Whoa. So there, there's different calculators for basically all these different financial things that you got to do in life and they make the number crunching easy, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz they just mm-hmm. their little turnkey calculators that solve all these problems for you. So that took me 80 of anything when you look at that. That's a long time. Yeah. Um so between getting the articles up there and getting the calculators and getting set up, so that was a long project. That was a year plus, maybe two years, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And then I went off on the books. Yeah. You know, so then there's five books. So then that took a while. <laughs> and now – and then I went through the content audit to yeah. get all the stuff cleaned up, which I was talking about that came after my niece's yeah. wedding. Got it all built up. That was like a year and a half, two years of with two different site revisions and on and on, on massive content cleanup. Mm-hmm. And just trying to pull all the loose pieces together that I created over the years and make it a cohesive body of work. Mm-hmm. And now I'm into building the courses out, which is the seven steps to seven figures. And that's what I'll be doing for the next two to three years. So what you see is these constant cycles of evolution, each step building on all the previous steps. Mm-hmm. And then once I build out all the courses, the next evolution after that, now I have the monetization platform and the courses are there to serve people. So now I turn out and I really roll out the content marketing and really build out yeah. the categories of content and expand the whole site. And then that's when I'll also make it each of the uh, categories will – so you have category-specific experiences by then, mm-hmm. right? So if you're in one category, the whole site will have a different experience. And if you're in a different category, you'll see all different offers and different things. Mm-hmm. So I have years and years of stuff planned ahead on the site of the evolution <laughs> of it. That's awesome. I'm excited to see where it goes. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, so just kind of wrapping up, I think you're you're so inspiring how you – I mean, you, you, you're you not a, a website developer. You didn't really have any uh, expertise when it came to websites when you started your own. And now you have a huge website with a – you know, a, it's a money-making business. And that's really – cool to me just because, you know, as a millennial, I find uh, a big thing with a lot of people that I know is um, entrepreneurship. That's something that was never 
something that I even knew existed or was a possibility when I was growing up, even in university. It was very much like, you know, you go to school, you get a job, you do that job and you kind of just, you know, do what your parents did. But, you know, that doesn't work anymore. I've had a second job since I finished university and I don't know if I'll ever not. Um, so as a, you know, a serial op- entrepreneur who has a money-making, uh, business, what kind of tips would you give for someone who is, you know, at the beginning of their career and they just want to uh, figure out what are some good ways that they can, you know, do the best, uh, you know, instead of just doing the nine to five, what kind of things that they could do on the side? Yeah, so there's a couple of quotes that come to mind as you're asking that. I'm a, I'm a quote. Mm-hmm. I love quotes. I love quotes. Capture I love a lot quotes. Of knowledge in a small space. One of them is everybody overestimates what they can accomplish in one year, and they greatly underestimate what they can accomplish in ten years of focused, planned effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, if you notice, if you notice, there's a theme that runs through almost everything that I've done in my life, which is I have focused, plan, effort. Like I didn't yeah. learn the hedge fund business overnight. I spent mm-hmm. a decade researching. It's almost like that 10,000 hour rule popularized by Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, I spent a decade at the computer testing systems and figuring out what works and what doesn't in the markets. I, 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 you know, I paid, paid the price. I, I learned my chops. And then once I kind of figured it out, I was done with it. It no longer stimulated my curiosity. Right. So that's Mm -hmm. another one is just be curious, you know, follow your curiosity. So then once I saw Corey Rudel speak, then I was really driven by, this whole idea of what the internet could do. It, it allowed me a platform for connecting with people in a way that was efficient. I could give through content marketing rather than sell, right? You yeah. can just give value. And I really got how it worked and I was excited by it. And so I started doing it. And again, that's just a thing. I, it was this long journey of learning. I wasn't a marketer. I didn't know mm-hmm. how to write. You know, mm-hmm. So I had to learn writing. I had to learn internet marketing. I had to learn sales funnels, how all these pieces fit together. There's a lot to it, you know, and so it's been a a great adventure. And so that would be another piece I'd throw in there is embrace the adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, Another piece I'd throw in, particularly for millennials, is focus on your earning capacity. Yeah. You know, try to increase your earning capacity because your wealth is a function of how much you earn minus how much you spend. Mm -hmm. And so how much you spend is, you know, you can control it, but you can only go so low before you experience deprivation. Yeah, And so there's limits to how, how far frugality can take you, but there's no yeah. limit to how far income production can take you. Mm-hmm. Which and yeah is something I've definitely learned as I've gotten older. Just like you said, there's, there's a deprivation situation that can happen when you, you're like, I can't cut back anymore. So you have to figure out another way to like, how do I earn more? Yeah, it's not fun. It's, it's you know, not. I mean, yeah, yes, I'd much rather fun. make money. <laughs> Well, that's one of the one of the things I teach is, is sometimes it's easier to figure out how to make more than to spend less. You can yeah. spend you can spend as much time and effort trying to figure out how to save as you can just to just make more and, and pocket it. Absolutely. So anyway, um, as a millennial, you want to focus on your income earning capacity early on and really magnify it because that will compound over your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, those are just a couple different ideas to throw in there. The other one I would throw in for millennials, um, the, one of the few regrets I have is I wish I'd purchased more real estate when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because if you get it on fully amortizing fixed rate mortgages, one of the great opportunities right now is with interest rates at all time historic lows. Yeah, the cost of borrowing has never been lower, and it's almost certainly going to pay you to borrow at some point. Like if you have a thirty year mortgage, at some point in that thirty years 
inflation has to greatly exceed whatever fixed rate mortgage you could lock down now. Mm-hmm. And so essentially they should be paying you to borrow money over the course of the loan realistically. And so I think that's one of the great opportunities is to get income producing real estate on fully amortizing fixed rate mortgages. But you got to be careful and notice my exact wording as I said that so that you don't make mm-hmm. mistakes. Income producing real estate, i.e. positive cash flow. Yeah. Okay. So there's a valuation component implied in that statement. And it's financed with fully amortizing, not balloons, mm-hmm. not not any sort of funky financing, right? Full, just traditional, yep. fully amortizing fixed rate mortgages. Mm-hmm. And that to me is one of the great opportunities that millennials face. Mm-hmm. Though I, I do feel, because you're from the States and I'm from Canada, I don't know if you're aware, but l- like I live in Toronto, I'm originally from Vancouver, and it's in my mind, I'm like, mm, not the right time to buy at the moment. Yeah, Though interest rates are super low. It depends on the market for sure. Yeah, it depends Absolutely. on the, the sub-market you're in. But I, that's yeah. why I was very specific about positive cash Absolutely. flow. Absolutely. Yeah, Pre- you got to make sure so it is a good investment, you know? Yeah, premium mm-hmm. markets like you're talking about, you're talking about two major cities. Yeah. Premium mm-hmm. markets will not be um, positive cash flow. No. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I, I one of the things I think I'm going to take away and just think about for a while, especially since you, you know, you started your website in the 90s and you've taken it to where you are. Sometimes I get caught up in the uh, you know, looking at other people that are, you know, at the next level of me and I'm like, "Oh, how do I get to that point?" Sometimes it just it takes time and you have to keep going. And I've realized that especially like I've had my blog for 4 years and it's definitely grown over that period, but I'm excited to kind of see where I can take things in the next 4, 10, 15 years. So I think there's definitely some value in what you said about you know, time and, you know, having a plan, having some very structured goals and just, you know, doing it really. Yeah. I mean, most of the growth in my site's only been in the last four or five. If you look at the the first 10 years, it was just brochureware. And then I had several years of fumbling around and doing everything wrong. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay. You can make mistakes and you can, you know, start something and set it aside for a while. Just have a plan and have focused effort and just do it. And, you know, the main thing is just embrace the adventure. Just go exactly. live it because you're going to get old like me and then you're going to die someday, you know? <laughs> so you got to you got to go for it because life's short. And it, yeah. I mean, it sounds so stupid to say that to millennials because they think they got forever. You don't have forever. No. I mean, yeah. it's a cliché, but it's totally true. It will go by fast, really fast, particularly yeah. if you're really living the adventure. It will go by very fast. Mhm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Todd, for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me on the show, Jessica. And that was episode 46 of the Mo Money podcast. Thank you so much to Todd for chatting with me. Make sure to check out his awesome blog, financialmentor.com, and also his podcast of the same name. I will uh, make sure to include links to both in the show notes, which you can check out at jessicamorehouse.com slash 46. And I had such a great time chatting with Todd, but I want to know what you think. So make sure to send me an iTunes review. Let me know what you think. You can also tweet me. I love when I get tweets about what people are thinking about and if they enjoy my podcast. makes me feel good. So make sure to reach out. I love it. And I will see you next Wednesday. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.